0: Hey, everybody, happy Friday, it's podcast day. Once again, we're still in sweatshirts, middle of June, here we are, Um, such as life in Pennsylvania, I guess. Um, Welcome to the Citizens Advisory Podcast presented by the Citizens Advisory of Pennsylvania. I'm Jess Stallnecker, Executive Director, and today, for the first time, I'm joined by our President, Jamie Walsh. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about critical race theory today. Um, I think maybe until about three years ago, uh, CRT was something that m- maybe the discussion on critical race theory kind of stayed in like law school classrooms. But recently, especially within the last three years, it really has become a mainstream topic. Um, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not it should be incorporated into our classrooms and things like that. And so I know, Jamie, you've been studying critical race theory for quite some time. And I cannot wait to have this discussion because I think it's super important for parents to understand what critical race theory actually is and why we do not want it in our schools. It can be really damaging, not only to the school system, but to our country as a whole. So let's get started. Um, Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me today on this rainy Friday. There's nothing more I'd rather be doing on a rainy Friday than this. Um, So I want to start out by... Um, letting people know, and we can post this in the notes because there's about a there's about a two hour and 45 minute uh podcast that was done by James Lindsay. And a lot of the information that I'm going to be referencing is it comes directly to from his podcast. And one of the things that Lindsay says right at the beginning of his podcast, it made so much sense to me. Now, yeah, before I even get into that, I have watched people try to try to battle critical race theorists and they get destroyed Mm
2: -hmm. because they
1: don't understand the topic. Right. And Lindsay makes a, a statement, a quote right at the beginning of his podcast. And he says, do not attempt to cure what you do not understand. You have to understand critical race theory so we can cure this cancer that has been introduced to our children. Because it's truly what it is. Um, They are destroying our children mentally. And they are destroying them for the rest of their lives. Their uh, critical race theorists are hell-bent on telling everybody that society is the reason that you can't get ahead. It isn't your own fault. Um, So, but critical race theory got its name in 1989, and I'm gonna give you like the proximate I- ideological roots. The okay. roots are they're, they're Marxist to the core, mm-hmm. and even before that, it's almost 250 years years in the making to finally find its stage in a book called Critical Race Theory, um, written by Richard Richard Delgado and Jean Stefanic.
2: Mm-hmm. And this
1: is the book. Um, it is very easy reading, although it is disturbing. But it's a really easy read if you're interested in this topic and you're a reader. I'm not. I am not a reader. I'm more of a podcast listener and so on and so forth. But when I got into this book, I couldn't put it down because it gives you so much perspective on what we're really up against and what we're really fighting. Um, This is the third edition, which is the latest edition that uh, is available um, that you can buy pretty much anywhere. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Awesome. So um, I think I actually listened to several podcasts about critical race theory. I had, you know, when um, it first started, I guess maybe with the George Floyd riots, I feel like that's really like BLM and things like that, that it really started to like pick up steam, I think. Um, at least for me, that's when I started to become a little bit more familiar. Like, what is this? Like, what is critical race theory? And I was a teacher for 18 years. So you would think, right, that I would have some clue, but I really didn't. Um, And so I started to listen to podcasts and I, and I heard a definition of critical race theory and it sort of made sense to me. And then you're going to talk about, um, you know, the 13 tenets of critical race theory. So people will have some idea really of, of what this is all about, but it was. Um, it's a theory that was developed by a scholar named Derrick Bell in the 1970s as a way to examine American history and our current institutions through the lens of race. Um, he believed, this theorist believed, that racism isn't the exception in society, but instead it is the n- normal way of doing things. And so CRT seeks to understand how the centrality of race and racism has affected people's lives specifically minority lives. And so um, you were talking about how it used to be that it was just critical theory, but there are other critical theories like queer theory and gender theory and feminist theory. And all these theories, these critical theories hold that people are oppressed by systems that are in place. And the goal or the objective is to liberate people from these structures and hierarchies through like major sweeping societal and political changes. And you mentioned Marxism as the core.
1: It is. Marxism is the core. And actually when Derrick Bell started critical race theory, it was called critical theory, mm-hmm. but it could never get much momentum because critical theory, what is critical theory? Right. It didn't get, it didn't, it, it wasn't good advertising. It wasn't good marketing. Right. But then in 1989, when race was put into it, that's when it started to pick up and in fact the reason i know that it's born in marxism is because marxists believe that in order to destroy a society you have to destroy a community in order to destroy community you have to destroy neighbors friends family okay so um black lives matter uh when when that all came out, of course that was during the George Floyd thing where it really escalated. Yeah. And um, their actual, their actual, they they have since changed this by the way, but you may still be able to find their original mission statement for black lives matter actually stated that one of their missions was to destroy the Western nuclear family.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That is Marxism because a house divided will fall mm-hmm. and, and um, that's truly where this is going and it, and, it, and it's and it, what you actually first started talking about um, is the first tenet of critical critical race theory which is systemic racism right I think a lot of people listening here have heard that word but they don't really know what it means or where it gets its roots and what systemic racism means Tenet number one of critical race theory is that you have to believe as a critical race theorist that all systems that were built in this country are racist. And the reason that they're racist is because our uh, Declaration of Independence and our Constitution our constitution was written by white Christian males so every system that is created underneath our declaration of independence and our constitution because has to be racist has to be favorable to white christian men right um and that and that is where i have a, a real problem because to to be honest with you this is why you're looking at defund the police this is why you're looking at this no cash bail in a lot of these um, places because they're saying that the system is oppressive to uh, minorities,
2: right?
1: And and not not just African Americans. Critical race theory encompasses a lot, but I think um, and I, and I'm and Jess, you you triggered me to start talking about this, and I had a just a real quick note. Yeah, go ahead because what's what's happening in our school system and why we don't have reading why don't, why we don't have the 100 focus on reading writing arithmetic um is because of theories
2: mm-hmm.
1: now the first theory that i ever remember being brought into a school is darwin's theory right mm-hmm. so you had darwin's theory when i was in grade school that you know Grade school, middle school, we started learning about Darwin's theory and evolution. Um, you had that was like almost like a test. Now keep in mind, I was uh when critical when critical theory was introduced. I wasn't born, but you know, when critical race theory in 1989, I was four years old. Mm-hmm. So our generation or my generation literally started to deal with was the first generation that really started to deal with this infiltration of theories in our school. So you have Darwin's theory. Then they introduced climate theory and they got no pushback from parents
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or not enough pushback. I'm sure there was pushback, but not enough pushback. Then critical race theory. And next, I shouldn't say next because it's there right now is gender theory. Right. Gender theory is why our organization is so hell bent about getting cooth out of these schools because they are pushing. That is how they are getting gender theory into our schools through a social media company called Cooth under the guise of mental health treatment for children. Right. So I'm sorry I went back. Yeah,
0: no, part. but that's okay because actually this is a great time to say that we recorded a podcast on Cooth. if you missed it. Um, you should go back to episode, uh, this is probably six, maybe four. I think it's episode four. Um, go back, look for the episode on Couth, listen to that because it's important. Um, but you're right. This is how they're incorporating all these theories into our classrooms. And then we're wondering, right. Why we, as an, as a nation are falling behind educationally speaking, right. We're, we're, our academic performance is lower than it's ever been, um, in terms of those core subjects. And so we wonder why, well, here we go, right? All these theories being pushed in our school. So why don't we start um, kind of breaking down critical race theory? I know you talked about systemic racism as being tenant number one. Why don't we try to quickly go through, we'll we'll stop and we'll spend more time on some that need more time, but let's go through those 13 tenants. I think it's really important, like you said, in order to fight back against it, we have to understand it. And so let's start there.
1: Well, and in the systemic racism, that tenant number one, critical race theory tenant number one, is um they truly believe that living by our constitution is racist since it was formed by white men. Right. So if you wonder why there's such an attack on our on our society um and our freedoms and all that is because they believe it's systemically rigged. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh the second tenet of critical race theory is called the interest, interest convergence thesis. And this was written by Derek Bell in, uh, he wrote a book in, uh, called the faces from the bottom of the well in 1992. And it believes that white people that white people that have the keys to the systemic powers of society always make progress such that it benefits themselves only.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the only, the only help, the only way that they will help oppressed people is in their own self-interest. Right. So what would that mean to me? I I own a small business, right? So that says to me right there, if I hire someone of color at my business, um, I'm only hiring them so I can get my business farther ahead right isn't that what any employer does with any employee that you hire
0: yeah any good business owner is going to hire good people right and so and now we're examining everything by the color of someone's skin so that person may be very qualified and instead we're putting them into a bucket of skin color which i think i mean is racist it's racist at its core Um, So that's a really good example. And I also think the way that, you know, that's worded, it's generalizing everyone. It's putting everyone into these generalizations where, you know, because I am a white person, I am always going to act this way. And it doesn't take any, it doesn't take into account any individuality or any decisions or choices that people make morally speaking or based on their convictions. It's all everyone's in the same bucket.
1: So uh, uh, when you when you apply basic common sense to things, um, I believe Barack Obama was African American. If I remember right, was he African American?
2: I
0: guess. We. Yeah. I think there was some debate about that, right? Yeah, but yeah,
1: yeah. no, he was African American, <laughs> and I believe he won two terms in office. Did he not? He sure did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sixty percent of the United States is caucasian Mm -hmm. so if we are a systemically racist country and all these white people detest minorities how in the world did barack obama get voted in not once but twice
0: good question right
1: so you know it it just goes to show you how ridiculous this whole system is
2: exactly Um,
1: this whole theory is racism stays the same and this is under that interest convergence thesis um racism stays the same as we make progress i love this one only because white people can hide it better yeah we hide our racism. we hide our racism better over time mm-hmm. and it's harder to detect and that is why racism will never end now that's such a great outlook isn't it like they'll
0: they'll never call progress progress it's like fake progress right
1: exactly because everybody's
0: everybody's still racist we're not going anywhere we're not because
1: all of us white people we take classes that no one else knows about on how to hide racism um better Mm -hmm. so people can't detect it it's 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 very it's very bizarre when you break this down and this is why i love having debates with people because Typically, when someone says, you know, when I tell people I'm against critical race theory and they say, well, well, how you're racist or like,
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: and I'll say, well, which one of the 13 tenants do you agree the most with? And they have a blank look on their face. They
0: don't really understand.
1: They don't understand. And we have to treat people. Like, I remember when I used to go and just attack school boards because I thought they were hiding stuff from us and they knew everything until I learned that they really don't know anything that's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I'm, my approach is a lot different. We need to use the same approach with this because if we can educate people and and they say, what do you mean the 13 tenants? Or they have a blank look on, well, there's 13 tenants of critical race theory. You know, I could share them with you. Watch this video from Citizens Advisory. Right. Um. Number three, tenant number three is a belief in material determinism by racial category. This is straight Marxism, by the way. Um, it's Marxist theory. Uh, it believes that white people structured economics, culture, law, religion, family, and media to determine the outcomes of the range of things in order to limit you. So if you're being taught by a critical race theorist, you're being told that in order to limit you, the white people have structured all of this against you. So your climb to that top of that hill is almost impossible. This is why their theorists call Asian people white adjacent people. They don't actually include, um, they don't include Asian people into critical race theory until recently until this third edition by the way okay um if you look at the first and second edition of this book you won't find asians in there at all but they've come up in here and i'm going to read a paragraph from this later Okay. but they believe that because asian people typically perform very high in society they just they're they're hard workers they're very organized they're 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 that is their culture. They are very like matter of fact. Put that. Put first things first. Get work out of the way. Play later. You know that that type of mindset, and that's a cultural mindset that 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 they have, and they typically do very well in society. And if critical race theorists included Asians in their theory, it would blow their entire theory apart.
0: Right. Exactly. The narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. The data. Right. The facts don't fit the narrative.
1: Correct. And the fact that um, right now, this is 2021 estimates, okay? 59.3% of our population in the United States is white. 19%, I'm going to leave the points out of it, okay? Uh, 19% is Hispanic or Latino. 12% is Black. 6% is Asian two or more races is 2.3%, American Indian or Alaskan Native 0.7%, some other race 0.5%, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander 0.2%. So that's a breakdown of our 2021 estimates based on a 2020 census uh, in our country. So when you look at those figures and you look at Um, The Asian population only being 6%, you know, six out of 100 people in this country are are Asian uh, and typically um, perform very well in society, um, at jobs, at athletics, at a, a lot of things. So, but they're a very driven culture and a lot of things are cultural.
0: And they're very family oriented too.
1: Very family oriented.
0: And so there's, there's another part of that, but go ahead and let's, let's continue.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tenant number four is social construction and imposition of race. And what that means is that biological race doesn't even exist. And race is a social and politically actionable fiction. And guess who created the fiction? White people. White people. Yep. Whites created this society and they imposed the racial categories on everyone. So we named all of these racial categories. We put everybody into their buckets of how well they can succeed in society. And whites do not have racial identity. And this is where we get our white privilege.
0: So that's the word. That's the, that's another buzzword that you probably have heard. Right?
1: Yes. White privilege. Um, so that, that, that is really important to understand that one, uh, because, you know, whenever you hear somebody say white privilege and you ask them, you know, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and they say about white privilege or whatever, and I'll be like, um, what does that mean? Like, I just play dumb and I know what it means. Right. where did, well, where did that come from? And then when you say to them, That came from a critical race theory book that states right in it that the whites created all the races and the steps, basically the rungs of the ladder, and you can only go up so far that, and, and because whites created those rungs of the ladder, that we are privileged because we put ourselves at the top always. Mm -hmm. It's... But when you start asking people this, you just destroy them.
2: Right.
1: Or at least open their eyes. Um, maybe, maybe not, but you can only hope hope that they stop supporting this craziness.
0: Right. It at least gives them something to think about. I, I think, I mean, there's a lot to this. You've read books, we've listened to podcasts, I've read about like there's a lot to this. And I can't imagine that every critical race theory supporter has done the same i don't i don't know that that's the case
1: well i mean they teach this in school yeah they they teach it in college especially and now they're infiltrating our our school our local, you know our well, right. public schools right but and we know they've infiltrated our public schools due to this esser grant that was the whole reason to give school districts all this money was to put critical race theory programs in um critical uh Tenet number five is a belief in structural determinism by racial category. So structures of society have determined the limits and hold everyone back except for white people. And white people have structured society to suppress and oppress the racial categories that they themselves created. So everything that we've created in this society is racist is racist and this is why it'll never change um number six i know we try to keep these to 30 to 40 minutes so i'm, I'm going to kind of move along yeah, that's a couple, okay.
2: a couple that i want to
1: talk about a little more than others um this one really bothers me um tenant number six it's probably the one that i i detest the most and it's um it's called positional standpoint epistemology it's a sophisticated trick that critical race theorists pull because they don't accept race essentialism. Critical race theorists believe the masters, meaning the whites,
2: mm-hmm. live
1: in a master's world. Let's stop there. Okay. The projects in the inner city is equivalent to the trailer parks in the rural areas. When you look at where we live, I mean, I grew up in a trailer park, all right? Um, But everybody talks about the projects. We got to help the people in the projects, the projects, the projects. Well, because that's where the bulk of society lives, right? In these inner cities. And that's where all the projects are. And that's why they get the most funding and all this stuff. We've been giving funding to projects for for decades that we've never seen at a trailer park.
2: Mm Mm-hmm
1: for infrastructure and buildings and this and that heating and air conditioning and whatever upgrades they need being done in these project areas that we've never seen in a trailer park right so if it's biased in any way shape or form from the system it's biased project. Mm -hmm. but this is why um i had a great conversation with uh a guy I'm, as you know, I'm involved in youth football and cheerleading out here at Lake Lehman. And I had a really great conversation with an African-American coach up there in Wilkes-Barre. And, uh, we actually had lunch at J&J Deli. We were talking about this specifically talking about critical race theory. And, um, and he's like, you know, up there, we just feel like you guys all you know, you just haven't made out here. You know, they they all feel like you haven't made out here in the country, in the rural areas, and stuff like that. And I said, man, I said I grew up in a trailer park with four brothers and a sister in a two bedroom trailer. So if that's high society and high living, and and that's kind of when the two of us put it together that like, holy cow! Like y- he said to me, he goes, so you're telling me your projects are like the trailer parks, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so this whole system, because if that was the case, then there should be no white people living in the projects of the rural areas.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, um, but that was just kind of like a correlation that we made when we were talking through this. And so the masters live in a master's world. That's why we have a double dose of master's world while the slaves live in a slave's world. So they have a slave's perspective and a master's perspective. So they have a much greater perspective on society and their lived experiences supersedes the master's perspective. And that's positional standpoint epistemology. Because of your position in society, they have a double view of the master's world and the slave's world and no one else does.
0: Right. We only have the view of the master's world.
1: Right. Right. So it's, it's one of those things, again, when you start breaking this stuff down little by little and you, you are like, can you tell me anybody that's really going to, that truly strongly in their heart,
0: believe. they might be
1: able to, what?
0: Like that they believe this.
1: That they can believe all this, right. Number seven. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Tenant number seven is storytelling, narrative weaving, and counter-storytelling. So for instance, they, they'll they challenge you if you're white and tell the exception to the role story, okay, or exception to the role story. They weave a narrative inside of a story that necessarily didn't happen to them,
2: mm-hmm. but it
1: happened to someone in their family. So for instance, uh, you know, my great uncle was who had passed away 20 years ago was a slave on a plantation and you don't know what that's like. And right. you're, so they, 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 they tell stories, even if they're, whether they're true or not,
2: mm-hmm. probably
1: a lot of them are true and probably a lot of them are not true, Right. but they try to tell you stories. So you can, so there's no way that you can have a counter argument because you can't, you didn't live it.
0: Right. And you don't have that firsthand even if it wasn't a firsthand experience for them, you don't have that relational experience that they
1: had. Correct. And and, and I, I find that to be true with, uh, with a lot of this stuff that's going on with this gender theory that's happening right now. Right. Okay. Um, which by the way, I'm going to read you a paragraph from this book and it ties all of these theories together that we just talked about what's going on in school. Um, number eight, we see this going on right now. Historic revisionism; they have to redefine history, right? In order to, you know, they have to believe that the 1619 project, which I actually just watched again for the third time, because every time I watch it, I, I'm very interested in this topic because uh, I find it very interesting. Number one, I I really do find it interesting. I, I look at the perspective. Right. Um, Although I don't agree with it, I feel like I understand it so well. And when I see something happening on television, I'm not surprised because it's all right here. Or when I see something happening in a school, I'm not surprised anymore. Right. But they need constant revision of the history of America that changes with the goal of pulling at people's feelings such that they have a counter story in order to awaken sympathizers and therefore create their own activists that's what they that's what they want to do with this historic revisionism mm-hmm. they want people to empathize with their storytelling narrative weaving and all that stuff right which
0: essentially is the 1619 project correct
1: yes yes it is and they want people to be like oh wow you know i didn't know that um whether it's all propaganda or true go ahead
2: but
0: also this is the 1619 project was never really meant to be historical fact is that also true true yes okay so we're we're trying to adopt this as our history but it was never intended to be historical fact so we're completely changing um you know what we're doing here
1: right right and uh, so their whole idea, the whole reason for re- revising our history is to create activists. That's that's the number one reason to to revise our history, because like the, when you were when you when we were seeing all those statues coming down across the country and yes. and all that stuff, they want to revise our history. They want to destroy our history so they can create more activists.
0: And they're doing a good job. It's happening. They are. Yeah. They are.
1: I'll tell you, it's a well thought out plan. Um, it's a well thought out plan, but this has been done in other countries. I mean, this is Marxism. Mm-hmm. So all they had to do differently here is uh well, I guess I should say the one thing that's different here is our freedom of speech. Oh. That's why they are so against. Our freedom of speech that is the one thing if we ever lose our freedom of speech everybody says it's our our we lose our second amendment this country's over they're wrong it's the freedom of speech
2: right
0: if we first. can't exactly and we're seeing it attacked more and more every day which also happened around the same time you know of that 2020 time period
2: yes COVID.
0: George Floyd, all that stuff. And, and it just, it's all coinciding. So you say it's a well thought out plan and I could see where all the pieces are coming together. Yeah.
1: And, and we, and we really saw an escalation of this during COVID, right? Yes. This, this is where all this, and then to divide us even more than they wanted to mask everybody because right. they wanted to see what kind, they want to see what kind of pushback they're going to get. Well, they right. lost here in Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. So that's a good thing. It's a good thing. covid COVID is the best thing that ever happened to this country. And it will 20 years from now, when we read history and we take this country back the way it is supposed to meant to be this, and we have our freedom still. um, It's going to go back to this, that, that, those COVID years. And although they were hell on a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to find, I think in the long run, that that is what woke this country up.
0: For sure. No question.
1: Okay, so um, number nine, a a critique of liberalism and the very foundations of the liberal order. It is an anti-liberal theory. It is a leftist progressive theory, which is 100% Marxism. So you know how a lot of people are like, oh, they're just liberals. They're liberals.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh no, they are much worse than liberals. Mm -hmm. They are AOC, that is a leftist progressive,
2: progressive.
1: Theory. yes left of progressive theory is 100 marxism mm-hmm. so they don't want to be called liberals in fact they liberals are
0: actually moderates now
1: <laughs> yes yes so when you call them liberals they get offended yeah but not for the reason we think
0: no it's because they're actually more progressive than that
1: Exactly. So, and, and just on a side note, Marx, Karl Marx, sought to destroy healthy societies. In order to do this, you have to make the family unit suffer, which is which is what's happening now with um, again dividing children in their families. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in I did write in here about the black uh, in my notes. I wrote about the Black Lives Matter. Um, I wrote the exact quote from their mission statement, which is now removed. It says, we dismantle the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. Mm -hmm. So in order to be a critical race theorist, you have to have a destroyed family.
0: You dismantle the family unit.
1: So when they published their mission statement, their support dropped 12% and they ended up removing it and revised it. So the support for Black Lives Matter dropped 12% when
0: they put that
1: out there. Yeah. When they put that out there, number 10, uh, whiteness as a form of property. This is interesting. In 1993, Cheryl I. Harris stated whiteness is defined by property, but whites can allow other people to have property, but mostly only to help themselves in some way. In the Communist Man- Manifesto from Karl Marx, he stated with his, f- his friend Frederick Engels that the, distinguish- dis- that the distinguishing feature of communism is not the abolition of property generally, but the abolition of bourgeois property, which is white property. But modern bourgeois uh, private property is the final and most complete expression of the system of producing and appropriating products that is based on class antagonisms on the exploitations of the many by the few. So when you think about that, the ultimate goal of a critical race theorist is to destroy property. Boy, did we witness we didn't
0: that? See that huh? We didn't see that in the BLM riots, did we?
1: No, we saw
0: Or all, in uh, every all the statues that came down following that, right? All of the the looting, all of the even just look at the the big cities now. Right? Like still.
1: I would love, I'm not a Yankees fan, but I would love to take my son to Yankee Stadium. I, I would never go there now. Yeah. I would never go there. Yeah. I, I just I the risk versus the reward is just not enough philadelphia right. philadelphia no way
0: it's you know it, it's become because i mean i have family in philadelphia so i've been to the city you know 10 years ago and now and it's it's rough
1: it is it's rough um my niece goes to school there and uh, last year they just had a student shot and killed just for no reason getting something out of his car it's um it's really sad but when you understand where this is all coming from uh at some point there's going to be a pushback and you know in the paragraph that I read in here I actually wrote a side note to a footnote that I said they want a revolution and when I read that paragraph at the end when I'm all done um uh, it, it'll it'll tie all of this together okay? okay number 11 this is what is happening in our schools today right now they have a uh, tenant number 11 is called intersectionality right intersectionality as sensibility is really what they say and they believe that all axes of oppression are linked together So if you think of all of the oppressed groups, according to themselves, all of the oppressed groups in society, they are to work together to abolish whiteness, to destroy property. Um, And if you think of any any minority group, black, illegal immigrants, LGBTQ, feminists, you name it they will all combine to take down white privilege.
2: Mhm.
0: And we're seeing it right now.
1: Well, we're seeing two things happen, okay? We're seeing just I think it was just a couple of years back um um this is why it's scary for our children. Truly. Right. Uh if this is being taught in our schools, And people are believing it just a few years ago, white people were 63% of the population. Now we're 59.3. So what's happening is this gap is closing over the years. Mm -hmm. And now with this huge infiltration of illegal immigrants, it's going to happen so much faster. Right. And if they believe this, because now they're new to the country and they're gonna start getting taught this in school and they're gonna take this as gospel, right right This is where the danger lies.
2: yeah,
0: absolutely
1: um If they're not tr- taught true history and the true uh scars on our country and how we become better, they believe that this is the way it's always been
2: mm-hmm.
1: And we have seven and a half million illegal immigrants that are in this country since Joe Biden took office, new illegal immigrants. And if they're taught this, that seven and a half million um, and they start having children, right? That yeah. gap is going to close so fast. And this intersectionality is a real thing. Like this is no joke.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Number 12, anti-racism anti-racism by praxis or practice. Basically, they state you cannot be a critical race theorist by just saying you're a critical race theorist. You have to practice it. You have to be an activist. Right. you got to be in people's faces.
2: And
0: that was the the message, right, in the beginning of those BM, BLM riots. Like, when nobody knew, right, people were posting their black squares on their Instagrams and things like that. Nobody yeah. really knew what they were doing. They were just like, yeah, of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, like, all lives matter. You know, whatever. They're like, you can't say all lives matter. It can only say Black Lives Matter. And so it was like this big thing. And... um you know, no one kind of knew what, what it was all about, but that's it.
1: That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um,
0: Oh, it's not enough to be, it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. So you have to post your black square or you're racist.
2: Exactly. So that,
0: like, that was the whole thing. Um, And, you know, yeah. That makes total sense. That's where that came from because that was a big thing I remember because I was running a business on Instagram at the at the time, and so I'm like, "What are these black squares? What do I have to do?" Like I didn't know, you know, and and so, yeah. um, that was yeah, that was it. And everyone was just po- blindly posting these black squares because it's not enough to not be racist; it's you have to be an activist.
1: Well, it's it's just like you can't be anti-Ukraine war, right? Right. You have to put a flag, uh, post a flag of uh, Ukraine on your thing yes. or, else, or else you're an anti, uh-huh. uh, you're anti-Ukraine. Give me a break. This is so bizarre already. Um, under anti-racism by praxis, part of the practice is to be an activist. And the second part is um, equity. Equity makes up for historical reparations. This is where the reparations is coming in. And um, by the way, if you're going to practice this, no one has ever done. It's a lifelong commitment to be an activist. Yep.
2: And, and number so, third, Oh, go ahead. No, I was
0: just going to say, again, I'm looking back in the last three years, how, you know, the equity sounds great, but it does not mean the same thing as equality. It is completely yes. different. Equity means that no matter how hard you work, no matter what, Everybody ends up in the same place because we need to account for all of those injustices, right, that have been um, against people of of color or minority so that we all end up in the same place. That's equity, not equality, where everyone should just be treated equally and everyone have equal opportunities. Equity is something completely different, which was, again, something that my eyes were open to very shortly after those um, those riots.
1: Right. And it, and it is um like they just uh, said that uh, Sean Hannity just interviewed Gavin Newsom from California. And uh, he's actually an extremely good speaker and he's going to fool a lot of people. But Sean Hannity cornered him and said, now you just approved one and a half million dollars in reparations for every African-American in um, California. And then Hannity had like the total. And he goes, now, when are they going to start receiving their checks? And Newsom was like, well, you have to understand, one and a half million dollars isn't one and a half million dollars. It's maybe they get a better job over their lifetime. So they're going to make more money over time, which is going to, if they invest it right, it'll be, I mean, total double talk, total BS. They don't even believe it. Right. You know what I mean? He doesn't even believe in his own plan. It was a pretty interesting. um, It was it was pretty interesting interview, Uh, but actually watching Gavin Newsom and seeing how smooth and slick he is. He is going to fool a lot of people.
2: Yeah, he already has.
1: And he will run against Joe Biden. There's just no doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to primary him and he's going to win. And he is. Very eloquent. He's sharp looking like his suit and everything. And he is a bullshitter. Really good one. So the last one, uh, number 13, is critical whiteness studies. It's a subfield of critical race theory devoted to making the argument at book length that all white people are racist by virtue of being white. And that this is why you have white complicity and brown complicity. Brown complicity is by definition not embracing critical race theory. So if you're African-American and you do not embrace this, you are complicit with systemic racism in our society.
0: Yep. Lose-lose, right? It's a lose-lose.
1: Correct. So... Um, White complicity is your unconscious negative attitudes towards non-white people. So this is uh, why I was. It's
0: funny because it really like backs you into it backs you into a corner, right? Like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like we, you know, and, and I mean, I don't care what people say about me, you know, I I know now enough about critical race theory to know that that's not something that I embrace or believe or any of those things, but like that, the, the theory itself almost backs you into a corner. Like if you don't believe every single tenant of this and you're not like an activist and you're, you know, you, there's, there's a, an example in your life that doesn't fall in line with this, then you, you can't, you're not, you're racist.
1: Exactly. And that's why, and that's why when they say we're racist, they truly mean it. Yeah. Because we don't follow this cult
0: yet. Everything. And I just want to say this because this is something that my eyes were really open to is that everything about critical race theory, the fact that everything that goes on in society is tied to race is racist. It's the definition of racism. It's putting people in positions based on their skin color or having people end up in a certain position because of their skin color instead of on merit or qualification or whatever um, that is by definition racism. And so that's why this is so dangerous.
1: Right. Right so i'm gonna close with this um did you have anything else before i close with this no
0: go ahead i i think that this was good this is a really good intro to to critical
1: race theory so this is right in the introduction of the of the uh book it's on page three of the introduction and the question is posed what is critical race theory So i'm going to read this to you and this is where remember this is the third edition so asians are now allowed to be part of this cult okay Okay. so remember i said earlier they call asians white adjacent people yes well now they have a caucus in critical race theory wait a minute a caucus so well i'll get to that in a minute um The critical race theory movement is a collection of activists and scholars engaged in studying and transforming the relationship among race, racism, and power. The movement considers many of the same issues that conventional civil rights and ethnic studies discourses take up, but places them in a broader perspective that includes economics, history, setting, group, and self-interest, and emotions, and the unconscious. Unconscious. Unlike traditional civil rights discourse, which stresses incrementalism and step-by-step progress, critical race theory questions the very foundations of liberal order, including equality theory, legal reason reasoning, Enlightenment rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law. After the first decade, critical uh, critical race theory began to splinter. And now includes a well-developed Asian jurisprudence, a forceful Latino critical called Latcrit contingent, a feisty LGBT interest group, and now a Muslim and Arab caucus. So they are now, under critical race theory, they are having their own subgroups and caucuses, exactly what they're trying to get away from, according to... They're just starting all over again. They're
0: setting up a system. Correct. Yeah. And a hierarchy.
1: Right. Yeah. So I really recommend reading this book. I read uh, in the, in the, in the, once this is posted in the um comments put- section, I'll put James Lindsay's three hour version of this. Okay. Like I said, this was, these are literally. Notes from James Lindsay and from this book. Um, because after I listened to James Lindsay, I read this book to find to make sure what he was saying was truthful. Um, and 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 in fact was critical race theory. You know what I'm saying? yes and There's this- another
0: book I think that I've um heard of. I have not read it, but that was recommended called Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas so- uh, Sewell Sowell. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we can put the links to those books, at least the information, um, in the description to this podcast. And we can also link the podcast that you're speaking of in here too, so that people can easily have all that information. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. That was so informative. I hope people. Um, really just understand now and just feel more equipped. That's our our whole purpose as an organization, we want you to feel empowered and equipped to be able to fight back against the stuff that we know is bad for our kids, bad for our country, right? So um, please continue to listen. Don't forget to um, like subscribe and share. And you can check us out on our website um, citizensadvisorypa.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Citizens Advisory of PA. So again, Jamie, thank you for joining us. I'm sure you'll be on again. Um, And yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks again for listening.